Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of Acts, chapter 19. Here's Pastor Ryan. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, your love and mercy. Thank you for the testimonies this morning. Thank you for the love that you have given us, Lord, and and, uh, has inspired us to love you back. Lord, uh, it's still true that every day we need to deny ourselves, to take up our crosses, and to follow you. And so help us to be that, Lord, to do that. I pray for every heart here, and mine included, that you would teach us from your word as we study it now. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. All right, so here we are in our story. Paul the Apostle, as you know, he's on his third missionary journey, uh, and he is in that great ancient city of Ephesus in modern-day Turkey, uh, on the west western Turkey. And it's one of the great ancient cities of the past. But he's there, and he's been preaching Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, for two years. And the Lord has been blessing that work, meaning all of that region in Asia has been hearing of the gospel, has been hearing about Paul the Apostle, the one who preaches Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and both... Jews and Greeks are coming to know Jesus. God is blessing Paul the Apostle in Ephesus. And Ephesus was no uh, holy uh, town. It was a very sinful, pagan uh, city. Much like today, the world. It's just, uh, it was very cosmopolitan. It It was a huge city. But there was a lot of sin. And yet the Lord was doing a tremendous work there. And we read last week that the Lord was even doing a really unique and unusual, strange miracles. That as Paul the Apostle was a tent maker by trade, he had he would have sweaty aprons, you know, like craftsmen usually do work. And those aprons would be taken to people who were sick or demon possessed. And just by grabbing those aprons, they would their faith would be activated and they would be healed of demon possession and healed of their of their infirmity. And so the Lord was moving powerfully through Paul the Apostle there in Ephesus. But there were some Jewish kind of vagabond exorcist guys that would go from town to town. They weren't kosher. They weren't like law keepers. But they were, they were out there doing this, this crazy exorcist uh, work. And uh, they tried to use the name of Jesus. They tried to copycat, if you will, Paul the Apostle. And one of the demon-possessed guys said to him, the demon spoke through him saying, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? Like they had no power because they weren't the real deal. And so that man overcame them, overpowered them, gave seven guys a good beat down and stripped them of their clothes, then kicked them out, and they went running naked. Which teaches us that Jesus Christ is the one with the power. And the power comes from a life of abiding in Christ. And so that took place, and verse 17 of chapter 19 says that that incident became known to the Jews and to the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. I love that. And then in verse uh, 18, uh, we begin, 
It says, and many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. And so we see that because the Lord was moving powerfully, because his grace was being poured out, and and the people saw these miracles, that many who had believed on the Lord, they came confessing and telling their deeds. And I think that's a very beautiful thing to see, that when God gets a hold of a person's life, that there is a willingness of one who is born again to confess their sins, to acknowledge that, you know, Lord, I'm a sinner. And, and that is the, the place where a person, I believe, must be in order for the conversion to be legit. There has to be an acknowledgement of one's sin. And so the people were coming and they were confessing their sins and speaking of their deeds. It's a good thing to confess what one has been freed from in the past. It is a good thing. Because when we confess what God has saved us from, it's like you're releasing the weight, you're releasing the burden that we've carried of a guilty conscience that, oh my gosh, I, was, I did all of these things. And so it's always good to go before God and to confess your sins to him, especially at the beginning of having faith in Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, I've done so much. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. I've done this and I've done that, Lord. And oh, the Lord says it's cleansed. It's done away with. It's as far as the east is from the west. I take it away from you and remember it no more. That's a a beautiful step of salvation is to confess to the Lord what has been done. And it it releases you of self-condemnation because our hearts will want to condemn ourselves and bring up the past and you know the enemy of our souls the devil he continually tries to condemn us about the past so we rob him of that power when we say yeah I was all those things and so what confess them and it doesn't mean to get all into details about it but to just yeah I was a reveler yeah I was in sexual immorality but not start talking about the individual sins but just to Say, yeah, and so what? I'm cleansed and it's done. There's a freedom from that. I was a reveler. I was sexually immoral, but now I'm free. I was this way, but now I'm that way. I'm not this. I'm not what I used to be anymore. In Proverbs 28, verse 13, it says, He who covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. I want mercy from God, so I find myself daily confessing my sins to him. Do you still confess your sins to him? Give me mercy, Lord. And it's not enough to confess one's sin, but then to turn from them. We want mercy, we want strength, we want grace, we want love, we want all these things. We want from the Lord, help. There must be a turning, a willingness. Lord, help me to turn from this. It's wrong. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Oh, how many times I've confessed my sins to my bride, my wife, Clarissa. Oh, honey, I put my foot in my mouth again. Oh, pray for me. Oh, I said this. Oh, you know. 
or friends, you know, brothers. Oh, man, I, sheesh, I really blew it again. And so there's this healing when you come in fellowship and are able to have a, a good friend that ain't going to spill the beans to everybody because love covers a multitude of inequity so that we are able to share with, with one another and confess to one another that we may, might be healed, the Bible says. And a lot of people are not healed from the temptations of their past sins. Because there's not a, a, a healthy confession of those things. And it always makes me, you know, concerned with a person who gets saved from stuff but never, ever, like, acknowledges, yeah, I was that, in, as part of their testimony and sharing with people. Because there has to be a hatred of what we used to be. There has to be an acknowledgement of the self-righteousness, of the lust, of the perversion, of the violence, of whatever it is. There has to be... A hatred of that. We have to hate the sins that almost killed us. We see here that also in verse 19, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them. And so in Ephesus, there was a huge occult following there. There was a black magic was big there. Dark religions and, and, and such were there. And so when the people came to confess, it wasn't just that they confessed, but they also told of their deeds. And they're not talking about good deeds. Here's how amazing their repentance was. They confessed their sins. They told of their deeds. In other words, this is how we used to manipulate people with the occult and dark magic. This was what we used to do. The, this was the, the spells and the tricks and the things that we used to do not no more they were like just opening up for people to be able to recognize that it was it was false it was evil it was wrong so there's a lot of things going on with the people in Ephesus there was a change of heart confessing telling of deeds you know it's interesting when you know, you come to know the Lord, and we all come from different backgrounds. Some people have crazy backgrounds, crazy testimonies. Some have more mellow ones. But all of them are interesting. And all of, and all of them are, you know, we can learn from one another's experiences, right? Because we're not going to go through those ourselves because they're the past, they're sin. But still, it's almost like I, I felt it interesting to me to meet my brethren from Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and to get to know them and, uh, and understand their life and the life they came from. Uh, pretty world, tell me about it. How was it? Wow. You came to church that long? Man, that's, you knew the law as a kid? That must have been so rough. I knew not the law, and I was out there a mess. But had I known it, oh, that was... Wow, you, it must have been harder because you knew. I didn't know, you knew. So their experience blesses me. And they'd be like, oh, so you're like a gang member, huh? So did they try to kill you when you try to get out of the, the gang? That's the one I always get. So don't they, isn't it blood in, blood out? So we get to share a little bit without, you know, getting too detailed. But we all are like blessed that we've been saved from those things. So they're kind of just saying, yeah, these are the tricks. This is what we used to do. And then it says here that they burned their books. Beautiful thing. Many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. 50,000 pieces of silver back then would have been a year's wage for 10 men. A year's wage. That's a lot of money. 
So they came and they burned these books. They got rid of these books because obviously it's dark, it's black magic, it's spells, it's the occult, and they got rid of it. No matter how costly, right, guys? Think about that. That they were pricey. They were they were hard to come by, high valued possessions. Yet they 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 realized that the blood of Christ was more costly. They realized that the blood of Christ was more precious than those books and the occults and the things that they used to be involved in. And so they were ready to get rid of it. I think about John the Baptist, and I think his line of repentance is, is a famous one. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Show everyone that you're different. Show everyone that you're sick of the sins that you used to do. Show everybody. Get rid of that stuff that you ought not to have in your possession anymore. Get rid of those things that are sinful in God's eyes, no matter how small or insignificant we may think they are. I remember when I came to know Jesus Christ, oh, I had paraphernalia, all right. That needed to go. It needed to go. Back when I got saved, it was 1999, and we didn't have these, right? We, I had like a phone list that I had in my wallet. And I knew that if I lost this, numbers would be gone. Connections and relationships can be lost forever. And I had to get rid of it because I had bad relationships in that phone list that needed to go. Because I was a sinful young man. So I, and that needed to go. And I knew I had to get rid of it. I had to get rid of, of my movie library. I think I was able to keep maybe two movies. But I had all the gangster movies with all the filthy language, with the fornication in it. Got rid of it. Had to get rid of it. I felt the Holy Spirit speaking in my heart. I had to clean up my library. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 22 says, Abstain from every form of evil. These folks got rid of these books. And I think the Lord may be speaking to some of us to get rid of, of, of some of the things in our library today. Some things that are compromising that you know that if Jesus was sitting there watching something with you or listening to something with you or podcasts or something with all the language or whatever that you'd be completely embarrassed you'd be a, a completely ashamed in first Peter chapter 1 verse 14 through 16 Peter says as obedient children not conforming yourself to the former lust as in ignorance but as he has called you is holy you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written be holy for I am holy how serious is that verse to us today I mean is a, if it's small if the sin is little is it okay if the sin is a little, is it okay? I happened to read Spurgeon this morning. Look what he said in Song of Solomon. He said in Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15, he quotes, Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. He says this concerning that verse, A little thorn may cause much suffering. A little cloud may hide the sun. Little foxes spoil vines. And little sins do mischief to the tender heart. 
These little sins burrow in the soul and make it so full of that which is hateful to Christ that he will hold no comfortable fellowship and communion with us. Little bit. I mean, if you can sit there and watch a movie that just is dropping F-bombs all day, it's not cute, it's not, God help us, God forgive us. If we can watch shows where there's fornication happening, adultery happening, we think it doesn't affect, we think we're mature spiritually, God is holy and he wouldn't watch that. So there are, there are things that I feel God just wants to clean up in all of our lives and in order for him to do a greater work. And I remember back when I first got saved, having to get rid of a lot of stuff. But again, you know, I don't know what it is in our pride or in our maturity. We think we can handle it or it's just a little this or a little that. It's not. God help us to be holy. They got rid of all of their books. They got rid of possessions that were valuable to them, but they got rid of them because they love the Lord even more. You know, we can find other forms of entertainment. Check out The Chosen on YouTube. That's pretty good. Watch some old westerns or something. You know, that's where I go. But it does affect. We can be blinded to it, but it does affect. Where's the power? Why can't I sense the Holy Spirit empowering? What's going on? The Holy Spirit, he's holy. One writer put it, you know, the Holy Spirit was described as a dove, the form of a dove. And can a dove rest on the nose of a lion? It cannot. But if we're humble lambs, we're humble sheep, holy before the Lord, cleansed, not putting anything wicked before our eyes, yeah, I can see a dove landing on the nose of a sheep. It hinders. Because God sees what he wants to do in the future in our lives. He's not just looking at our present. And he thinks, well, there's people I want to bring into your life to bless you and for you to bless them. But you still watch filthy movies with all this cussing and stuff. You, you want to marry a guy who watches that stuff? Says he's a Christian? Or a girl who does that? Who watches Friends? Or whatever? God help us. They burn those books. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy, Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. Paul is mentioning Rome and his desire to go there. The church had already been birthed in Rome. There were churches there, and Paul the Apostle, when he writes the book of Romans, he doesn't write it from Rome. He's writing it to Rome. He had a desire to go there to the capital city of the known world. I mean, the Roman Empire was the most powerful empire on the planet at the time. And Paul wanted to go there to preach Jesus and to encourage the church. And he would, if you read the first chapter of the book of Romans, he says, oh, I have such a desire to come see you. But before that, I skip verse 20. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Amen? So as the people burned their books, as the people were confessing and sharing their deeds, it says that the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. And I think that's a good word for the church this morning. 
that the word of the Lord always prevails. The word of the Lord, let it be magnified. And I believe that when the word of the Lord is magnified in our families practically, then our families prevail through trials and through anything that may hit your home. Your marriage will prevail if the word of God is magnified. Your sons and daughters will grow up to be olive plants around your table as you teach them the word of God. They will prevail. We have to stand for the word of God. What was happening in Ephesus was because of the word of God. And what we want for Sweet Hills is that the word of God prevail here. We want to be like the church in Philadelphia that Jesus talks to in the book of Revelation. You have kept my word, he said to the church at Philadelphia. And so the word of the Lord grew and it prevailed. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 through 13, it says the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open in the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The word of God is powerful. It is powerful to save people's lives it is it is it is the tool that God used that the Holy Spirit used in order to convince our heart that we're sinners and we need to give our our lives to Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us it is the word of God that brings conviction it is the word of God Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 55 verses 10 through 11 for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it Isaiah 40 verse 8 says the grass withers the flower fades but the word of God stands forever We need the word of God and we need the word of God to have us. There's too much reading and not enough doing, my friends. I really believe. God has given us his word to instruct us. All that we need that pertains to life and godliness is found in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the word made flesh. So the more of the Bible that we embrace and receive and read the better we are, but it does us no good to just let it go in one ear and out the other, or through our eyes and not stick into our heart. We have to practice it. We have to do what it says. Maturity comes by the doing of the word. Changes come by the doing of the word. If we just read it and do nothing, we become religious and it's ineffective. We have to let God change us. And it is his word that changes us. It changes us like, the, like it's so healthy. It changes us. It changes you and me. It's his word, but we have to do it. It says here, be kind to my wife. It says here, raise up our children in the way. It says so much to you and I. The question is, are we doing those things? Do not forsake the assembly of the brethren. You know, all of these things. It tells us to look up for our redemption draws near. Are we ready? The word says to be ready. The word says to serve him. Not bury your talent, but serve him. We, we go to Mexico because Jesus would be in Mexico. He would be where the poor are. He would be the, where the poor are here. Anywhere, serve them, get involved. 
That, that's how the word becomes active in our life. That's how we grow. Not just by reading it. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Our lives are only founded on the rock if we hear and do, not just hear. Jesus said, be careful how you listen. To he who has, more will be given, but he who does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. It's not enough. To just hear it, we have to do. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that the Son of God is the heir of all things. He has made all things and he upholds all things by the word of his power. In Psalm 1 verse 1 to 3, you know it, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m., or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Cherubim, above.